Today, the message is entitled, Prayer That is Effective. And it's part two of a series. Part one was last week. And today, we're going to take this final step in our study of this blessed book of James. And may we again consider the precious gift of grace that God has given to us in this boundless access into His presence through prayer. Through prayer. And we'll again use these wonderful words of James 5 that we studied last week, beginning in verse 13, where he asks, Is any among you afflicted? Then let him pray. Is any merry? Then let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I love those last words of verse 16. And we're going to center our meditation upon them today. Listen again. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now that's righteous man or a righteous woman. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Now before we begin there though, I'd like for us to first go back and think through some of the things that we studied in earlier messages about this wonderful treasure that we have in prayer. And may we remind ourselves that in order for these very special and precious words to come to fruition in our lives, there really are certain basic essentials that must be put into place. And the more firmly those essentials are in place within our soul, the more our prayers are apt to become fully effectual. The first essential is that of faith. That of faith. And you'll notice he spoke of that in those verses. The first essential is that of faith that special, mysterious power and ability that is put into our hearts by God Himself as His blessed Holy Spirit comes to live within us. It's a power that enables you and me to be able to see and to hear and to think and to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do. Faith, when brought onto the surface of our daily lives, can become a special kind of portal through which we can actually see into the realms of God and really see His faithful hand at work in the ordinary matters of our day. I recall a time of prayer that I had some years back about the ability that we have to see God's hand at work. Most often we see God's providential hand several years later. We think back and we can see where those things that took place last year or five years ago, what they produced today. So I started to pray, Lord, I want to see your hand at work a little more close up. I'd like to see your hand at work even at the moment that I'm doing things. And so I prayed that prayer for a long while, and I still do. And he began to do that. He began to narrow that gap of when his providential hand started working in a matter and the moment that it took place. And I could see. Now, 
I would like for him to let me see his providential hand before something takes place so I can do right things all the time. But that doesn't take place. So it's usually just after I have done something that I see his plan, his hand, his heart. And folks, I'm going to continue to pray for that. It's through this same faith that God speaks about here that he enables you and me to draw up near to him to draw up near to Him in our times of affliction and be able to seek His special comfort and yes, even to seek this special grace of healing for our sicknesses that He speaks about here. But unfortunately, unfortunately, as we begin to take an inward look at our faith, we too often find that such levels and intensity of faith as those spoken about here in these words, they're not easily come by. They're not easily come by. Yes, you and I do know that we have the faith that it takes to save us, to save our souls, but to reach the level of faith that will transport us to that higher ground that the old hymn speaks about. It seems often to elude me, and I believe that would be so with you. It it eludes our grasp. We want it, but it's still just outside of our grasp especially when our afflictions, our sicknesses, are intense, and especially when they are ongoing. And unfortunately, because that weakness of our faith, we often choose too quickly instead to accept the rationale of the world and to walk paths that lean more to common sense and logic rather than to believe in this supernatural power of the unseen God. And instead of being patient and waiting for the hand of God to make our provision and to provide our solutions to whatever the problems are, we choose to settle too often for the common graces that are available to all people. And they're not wrong. They're graces from God. But we quickly reach for them. Again, our doctors, our retirement plan, Social Security, Medicare, the stock market, and whatever other provisions we might think of. But these words here, folks, they are telling you and me that it should not be that way. That we should not permit our weaknesses to overcome what little faith we do have. That we should first and continually seek His face. He tells us that in Psalm 27. He says, When you said, Seek my face, O God, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. And that is what you and I must do. The face of God, the heart of God, wants more for you and me than anything that this world has to offer. Those common graces will not come close to providing all that He would have provided had we depended upon Him. With the help of His Holy Spirit, His face, His heart, His gracious provision can be found, folks, within the pages of this book, the Bible. It's right here. It has been written for us all of these years. We have only to search the pages of this book diligently, he says, and God will reveal himself to us. He'll not just reveal a path that we should take. He begins by revealing himself to us. It's a special provision, and with that provision, faith will begin to emerge within our soul. Recall that even 
in the simplest terms, he says that to us. Uh, Romans 10, verse 17, where he says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Have you pondered that verse? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's a very simple statement. And how often have you just wept because of your lack of faith? How often did Jesus even say to his disciples, O ye of little faith? Oh, how often that has taken place with me. And he's saying to us, this is a lot simpler than you make it out to be. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We have only to read and to hear these words, these truths that are given within this Bible of ours. And faith will start to emerge and come to the surface within our lives. It's not just something down here deep. It starts to come to the surface and actually affect things that we do. You and I have only to hear and to experience the words that are being spoken to us out of the pages of the Bible. And our hearts will begin to experience truly a miraculous change. God will give us faith because it is a gift from Him. Our faith is a gift from Him. And He'll give that to us if we are faithful to read His Word and and study His Word. That's a personal promise from Him. And God always keeps His promises. But you and I might say, I do read the words of the Bible. I have study every day. And yet my faith still remains weak and inadequate. And folks, I identify with that. But still, still the answer that God has given to us even in that struggle, is also within those words. He said that we are able to seek His face by looking into His Word. But He wants us to do it with our whole heart, with a surrendered heart, frequently, fervently, diligently, endlessly. And that's where we so often fail, though. We do read. Do you have a personal time every day that you read your Scriptures? What is it that's taking place when you have your Bible reading each day? Are you simply checking off the things that you need to do today? Oh, I've got to go have my devotion. Or I've got to go and have my prayer time. Why do I think you do that? That's because I do that. And we're no different. But we should be. He wants us to seek Him with our whole heart. Surrendered heart. And He wants us to do it fervently and diligently. But with me, I find that as I am reading... Too often, my mind will wander. I'm putting in my time with the Scriptures, but my heart is divided and distracted by other pressing matters that I knew about before I sat down there to read. And as I do that, I miss out on some of the most important parts of the message that God is giving me within those words. One of the translations of this verse says, Faith cometh by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word of Christ. There's a message as we read. And yes, we read and we hear. But then again, as I mentioned, other concerns drown out some of the most important parts of that message. God is giving wonderful direction within those words. And if we listened with our whole heart, then we would hear it. And so he's saying to us, isolate yourself before you begin to read. Do it early in the morning before all of those things of the day start to take over your mind. Dig deeply and pray. And he says to us also that there are times when we need to fast. But he tells us to do it with our whole heart. 
And as we do that, then faith, real faith, the kind that will be effectual in prayer, will begin to take place. Listen to these words in Psalm 37. He tells us there, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Folks, this is a promise, special promise from God. And I especially love this verse 5 where He promises that, that if we will commit our ways to Him and trust in Him, then He will bring the desires of our heart, those things that we're praying about, into being. That's such a wonderful promise. So then, may we in these last minutes of our time together today give our whole heart and our full attention to this one single point of truth in this word, that of what it takes for our prayer of faith to become effectual. Verse 15 in our text, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now notice first that God very pointedly speaks about the presence of sin in our lives. And we must understand that sin really is a hindrance, a barrier to effectual prayer. There's part of a prayer that uh, one of my daily verses uh, that speaks of how I'm supposed to treat my wife. It says, in the same way, husbands, be considerate as you live with your wife. Treat her with respect as a weaker partner and as heir with you in the gracious gift of life. And the next verse says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. That's what he's talking about here. Did I treat my wife right? That's going to hinder the other prayers. And that's not my only sin. I don't ever want to not treat her right. But he gives us those special verses, husbands. God knows all about what goes on in our hearts. And he especially knows about those special secret sins that we harbor. We hold on to those sins that have become so commonplace within us that we barely remember that they're there within our souls. And those sins are abhorrent to God. They're a barrier, as I mentioned a moment ago, and they prevent our prayers from being effectual. And so it's part of our coming to God in our prayers. We must first ask Him to search us and to reveal our sins to us. And then, with broken and contrite hearts, you and I must repent, confessing those sins to Him, asking Him for His forgiveness. That's His formula. That's what He requires. Read Psalm 51. And yes, when our sins involve other people, we must also go to them and seek their forgiveness. It's then that our faith can be freed up to do what the rest of this verse 16 tells us, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person, righteous man or a woman availeth much. Simply put, God is saying that for our prayers to be effectual, our prayer must be prayed with deep, abiding faith and that it must come from a righteous man. When that is done, then that prayer will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. 
But be sure to remember that even as our prayer is for another person, our faith, listen, our faith and our seeking must ever and always be after the person of God first for his will and for his purposes. And then the prayer will be effectual. Hebrews eleven six. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A note here that diligence is essential and that it's an important part of this fervency here in verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You and I need to be diligent. It's part of fervency. Why must you and I be diligent? Why must we be fervent? It simply is the nature of God to desire that we be single-minded, that you and I be single-minded, reaching to Him in our faith. God will not listen to the prayers of a double-minded man or woman. Remember, He told us that. Those very words in James chapter 1. God will not listen to the prayers of a double-minded man. But he will listen to the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. And he'll honor those prayers. And God desires us to be diligent and fervent also for another reason. So that we personally will benefit by our continuing in prayer. In requiring you and me to remain before him for long periods of time, seeking his faith, we'll begin to understand so much more about all of those other things that surround that particular problem that we're praying about. There are other difficulties that always attend that one matter that we're praying about, and He'll reveal those to us, and we can pray about those also. In my own situation of asking God to heal my sickness some years ago, when I first began to ask God to heal me, I thought first of my pain, of my affliction. But that was not God's first thought. My first thought was about my more pressing need of relief. But his first thought was about my more pressing need for faith. And praise the Lord for that. And as I continued to earnestly and diligently and fervently pray and seek his face, God made me to understand that my faith, my faith was really his first order of business. And yes, he did want to heal my sickness and he wanted to raise me up. But he is always far more interested in the eternal condition of our souls and he was for my soul and not only that he revealed to me that as his beloved son of which you and i as believers we are sons of god he wants for us to have this deeper and more intimate father and son relationship and so he purposely listen a lot of folks don't like to hear this but he purposely allowed me to suffer my affliction so that I would turn my heart and my attention more fully to Him. Read Hebrews chapter 12. He's a father that loves his sons. And he will discipline through illnesses those that he loves. And he did that with me. Psalm 119.70 verse 71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted, O God, so that I might learn your decrees. God has decreed that you and I have an ongoing deep abiding relationship with Him. But too often when all is going well, when we are well in our health, well in our finances, well in all the matters of life, we seem easily to forget all those benefits that we enjoy and where they came from. We stop beseeching Him 
continually because we're too caught up in the enjoyments of life. In those times, perhaps even more often, God intervenes and brings us reminders of the true wellspring from whence all help comes. He allows afflictions to be unfriendly friends to remind us of our need for Him. Our suffering can be an unfriendly friend, but it is still a friend. Now, the last matter this verse speaks of, I want you and me to examine this thought of righteousness. Verse 16, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I must confess to you that I'm still somewhat baffled by the thought that I could actually be righteous. But God is slowly revealing the truth to me. Here we're told that the effectual fervent prayer must come from a righteous man. But knowing that these scriptures also tell us that there is none righteous. No, not one. And so I ask, how can this be? How can a wretched person like me, like you, be righteous? Again, as with all good and perfect provisions, this provision comes entirely from the gracious hand of God. In our accepting Christ as our Savior, His Holy Spirit who has taken up residence within us. He imputes His righteousness, the righteousness of Christ into our being, making us to be that righteous person that these words speak about. Read Romans chapter 3 and 4 about how God imputes His righteousness, the righteousness of Christ into your and my soul. But in 1 Corinthians 1.30 we're told there that it is of God that Christ is in us, wisdom, holiness, righteousness, and redemption. Folks, it is ever and always His righteousness that's within us and never our own. It is His righteousness. And that's the righteousness He's speaking about in this verse. But then also, even that is only the beginning. And praise the Lord for that. There's even another step that God offers you and me in this matter of righteousness. In Philippians 2, He tells us to work out that righteousness, to work out that righteousness that He has worked into us, to work it out in the common matters of our daily life. And that's where this effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availing much comes into real action. A righteous man or a woman who is surrendered to the abiding presence of Christ will do righteous things will be ever and always standing before the mercy seat of God, crying out for mercy and grace, and not only for himself or herself, but especially for the hearts and souls and well-being of others. And as we surrender to Christ, our righteous prayers will become more effectual than we could have ever imagined possible. Wouldn't you love for that to take place in your life beginning today? Our part is to pray and to do it diligently and fervently, and then God will do the rest. So let you and me begin to do our part this very day to diligently and fervently pray the prayer of faith that He speaks about here. And we are then assured that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman will availeth much. Listen to these words as we close. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man 
or woman availeth much. Let's pray.